God is an absentee landlord. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you should definitely open with that. Open oh, with it, do it. I've, I've got another opener. Okay, I've got another right, opener. Go, go, okay. go. Ready, folks? We ready? He's here. He's there. He's every fucking where. Hercules. Hercules. He's here. He's there. He's, He's every, every fucking where. Hercules. Hercules. Hello, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to a grand experiment in terror. This is the first ever post major film reaction <laughs> podcast that we have ever done. We might need to work on that name, Chris. I didn't think of it. I was working on the Hercules thing. Speed spoiler. Speed spoiler. Oh. Speed spoiler. Hello, pod. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to Empire's first ever speed spoiler. Yep, it was. Special. Like speed spoiler special? Speed spoiler special. Spe- Hello, pod. Special. I'm Chris Hewitt, and welcome to Empire's first ever post-cinema Speed Spotter Special, and this one is dedicated to the latest, the 29th film in the Marvel Jesus. Cinematic Universe. I know, I know. Next one's 30, Black Panther 2. Yes, oh, yes, indeed. Oh, my word. Anyway, we decided for the first time ever that we're going to, you know, bottle some of that post-cinema euphoria or depression that sometimes you can have after you watch one of these big movies and come straight to the studio, which is actually quite near the cinema, where we watched Thor Love and Thunder tonight, for Thor Love and Thunder is the movie. I walked very fast here. Sorry. <laughs> you really I made did. Him. I made him. Oh, you know those little funny men at the Olympics when they do the, the elbows walk. and they do a little, yeah, little funny walk? That's what it's called, the, the 10,000 meter funny walk. Uh, and I thought I could do it and I've, I've woefully miscalculated. Anyway, we've just seen Thor Love and Thunder. Uh, I'm joined by Helen O'Hara. Hello. Ben Travis. Hello. Uh, Sophie Butcher is sharing a mic with Ben Travis. Hello. Hello, Sophie. Uh, and Amon Warman is here as well. Hello. Hello, hello, hello. Uh, and we've never done this before. But we thought I would take a leaf. We thought I would take a leaf. I thought we would take a leaf <laughs> out of the book of the Anfield Rap, the one of my favourite podcasts. And they do post-match shows after Liverpool have usually triumphed. And uh, <laughs> and they react to what they have just seen. So this isn't going to be your big three-hour deep dive. We're going to be doing that down the line. Uh, and I've got the Taika Waititi interview in the bag. That's all good. This is just my post Thor Love and Thunder reaction. Helen's going away for a couple of weeks as of tomorrow as well. So this is also to accommodate Helen and her thoughts on this absolute fucking barmy movie that we have just seen. (laughs) Full confession that I've just seen for the third time and Ben Travis has just seen for the third time. So Ben, you've written the four star Empire (laughs) Review. Let's leave your reaction for a second. Let's get reactions from the first timers in this room, starting with Helen. Thumbs up, thumbs down. Where do you stand? Thumbs up, very much thumbs up. I have Ooh. notes, of course. Um, I have uh, that there are too late, Helen. The movie's made. Uh, things in the middle <laughs> act that probably could have been uh, maybe just like the middle act. But you could cut the middle act. But I think it, like, I really enjoyed how creepy the bad guy was. This is the most I've liked Christian Bale in anything since. What a neat story. I don't know when. Yeah, no, I, I genuinely want to see the, you know, reading CBeebies this week <laughs> <laughs> to, to promote Thor, Love and Thunder. It's Christian Bale, kids. Yay. Um, oh yes, uh, so I, I, I thought he was brilliant. I thought his design was incredible. I felt like it took, you know, I, I'm, I know it draws from the comics, but it, it channeled for me Gideon the Ninth, uh, which I've been reading of late and which is a fr- freaking fantastic book. But genuinely, go just look up the cover Gideon the Ninth you're going to be like whoa that guy looks like God. well that girl actually looks like the God Butcher anyway 
Very, very creepy, very effective, very atmospheric. Loved that. Loved the screaming goats. I assume that was Taika <laughs> as the screaming goats. It sounded Didn't like ask. Taika. Okay. Yeah. Um, loved Simon Russell Beale turning out for no time on screen as Dionysus. Yeah, we should, we should talk about this a little bit. Like, who has the best agent in this movie? Is it? I mean, it, he's got to be up there. He I mean, was like fifth in the credits. Yeah, something like that. And then, of course, there's... Um, Jamie Alexander Jamie is Alexander. like literally fifth in the yeah. credits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> for a tiny, that tiny role. Wild. as Sif um, which I mean when I was watching the credits for the first time it was like oh yeah there, there's Chris Hemsworth there's Tess Thompson and you wait for the and Natalie Portman she gets the and she but Jamie Alexander's name came up within like 15 seconds of those credits starting, and I was like <laughs> Jamie Alexander what? in Thor Love and Thunder love it uh, Sophie what did you think? yeah this is my first time seeing it um, I loved it Um <laughs> I've been fairly tepid on the last few Marvel films. I'm sorry to say it. Get out! Um, Stick so, her in the cage with all the other kids. <laughs> Sophie in the cage. Um, so I wasn't too sure what to expect, and um, Ragnarok's not my favourite either. Get so, out! No, no. Send me to the shadow you're, realm, whatever it's called. You're on um, the money with that one. But yeah. Um, so I really wasn't Somebody's sure what to expect. Covers. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I loved it. I had a really fun time. It's the perfect amount of silly and creepy and sincere and soulful mm. and bright and dark. And yeah, had a really great time. There you go. Just uh, when I thought I was out, the MCU has pulled <laughs> me back in. Just when I thought I was out, the MCU pulls me back in. Amon, <laughs> uh, was it not what I wanted? Or was it up your up your alley? For the first half, it was not what I wanted. Oh. This, for me, was a tale of two movies. Because the first half, I'm I was not going like, to lie, they had us in the first half. <laughs> <laughs> they, they really did, like, I just, I just thought it was too jokey, too glib, none of the emotion, none of the weight I that I wanted. Called it. <laughs> I called it. I called it. <laughs> but the second half, there's a scene that takes place on a boat. That is when the movie changed for me entirely. And from that point on, I freaking loved it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, tell the two movies for me. I mean, it's a spoiler special, right? So you yeah. can say the scene that took place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Look, I'm teasing it so you can get into it later. But I'll we just don't say, have a later. This is a very <laughs> this short is true, podcast. We, we will be back. Yeah, we will be back for the yeah. big old deep dive. But yeah, you're absolutely right. This movie takes a leaf out of Jaws book and gets on a boat for the second half of the movie and improves uh, from that point on. What I love about What I love about the boat scene is the boat scene marks the moment when it stops being Thor Ragnarok 2, even though there are serious moments and really quite dark moments in the first half of the movie, but there is that glibness and that sort of archness and that sort of you know, raised eyebrow Roger Moore, loads of layers of irony and in almost every single line reading, some of which really, really works, some of which for me doesn't quite work. And the second, the, the second I get on the boat scene, that scene between Thor and Jane mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. signals a tone shift that by and large, there's only a couple of gags in the second half of the movie. By and large, it dials into, it just takes this detour into emotion land that honestly, I didn't think would work for me. But even third time round when Jane dies, third time round, I had tears in my eyes. Mm. Third time round with Endgame when Tony dies, I was like, fuck him. <laughs> this wow. disrespect. No. Uh, he deserves to die for what he did. Save the universe and you can't even cry Team a tear. Cap. What's wrong with you? Team Cap. <laughs> Sorry, let the record I've turned, show. I've let the record show. I've turned around to the whole thing. Team Cap. No, I was obviously choked up every time uh, yeah. Tony dies in an Endgame. But, uh, but, yeah, but it's, it's, what's surprising to me is how much this movie has 
emotionally impacted me about a character I didn't think in Jane that I was that emotionally attached to. I think she worked very well with Taika's style, actually. I Mm. think she was inclined to have that kind of dry wit anyway, even in the first Thor as Jane. And so that sort of leaned into the... That worked somehow with the silliness sometimes that she had here, and that worked with the glibness. Mm. Because I think it's exactly the reaction of someone like that to having cancer is not to want to in any way, you know, feel sorry for herself or be seen to feel sorry for herself. It is absolutely to make jokes about it in hospital and go to work and work on it. And 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 that all that all rang very true to me. So I thought those that's what makes the boat scene work. I'm sorry, but it's the previous scenes that make the boat scene as affecting as they are. And I think that, you know, when she when she says she has cancer and almost instantly pulls it back, and yet he knows she's not sincere about the pulling it back. Yeah. That's great because that shows that there is something underneath he's, the goodness. He's, I mean, they're both so great, but he yeah. is so great, especially from the, the, those moments on the scene in the hospital. I'm sorry, Ben, I'm, you're going to come in in two seconds, but I just want to <laughs> say one last thing. The scene in the hospital, Ben, when they get back to Earth and he says, because I love you, I've always loved you. I That nearly broke me. Mm-hmm. That was just like, oh God, I did not see that coming. And I love how much he is discombobulated the second she appears yeah. and he's just not he's 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 on he's on sand and he's desperately you know mm. trying to trying to grab a, a foothold and her too a bit I think and I, yeah. I think I, I actually the one thing I didn't need about their relationship was most of the montage oh I love I the montage I like the montage I but the montage before works. I say anything else There's Benjamin ben. Travis the floor is yours Ben who very nearly <laughs> very nearly went five in this Ben didn't you yeah I love this movie so much and if you read my review and it reads like a very high four that was reaching towards a five that is exactly what it was and that is why i've now seen this movie three times because coming out of that first screening i was like i loved that so much on so many levels and i think that might be a five and i don't know but i could see some downsides but the stuff that it does that no other marvel movie has quite hit that that same spot it has such a unique particular tone i think something sophie said earlier on was like oh this movie it's the perfect amount of of funny and light but dark and serious and it's like tiger's pushed every dial up in every direction and somehow miraculously it all balances out in a way that just shouldn't but whatever the internal gravity of this movie is like every beat every bit that is like crazier and sillier and he's battling space chickens on motorbikes <laughs> is then balanced out by oh it's coming fairly shortly after we've opened a Marvel movie with a, a character whose daughter dies and that is so unbelievably sad I was caught so off guard by that opening scene first time around mm. but it feels like there are so many points through this film that are just calibrated so the whole thing just sits in a lovely place and by the end of it every time I have seen this film now this is my instant reaction to my third viewing of <laughs> Thor Love and Thunder I'm feeling the, the sweetness the emotional punch of that ending of, of the Love and Thunder moment mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Jane's sacrifice I'm thinking about how much I've laughed every single time at the Screaming Goats I'm <laughs> filled all yeah, those time. notes that it plays <laughs> that the happy stuff the sad stuff the sweet stuff the silly stuff the really sincere stuff all of those notes are still resonating with me when that film ends I thought the kid was going to die as soon as he turned up at the beginning I'll be honest <laughs> so that didn't come as a shock but I did think it was a well played scene and, and a lot of credit to Bale for that because um, it, you know, it's such a throwaway. Here, our villain has a sympathetic backstory. 
cliche, but, it, you know, they give them a sympathetic backstory and I think, you know, and I don't say this often, it works. Yeah. Um, so I, I really, really like that. And I like that symmetry at the end of two people who've lost something, finding something in each other. And I thought that worked. Um, I think what didn't work for me about the montage in particular and some of the some of the other moments where it went for sincerity and I think failed. The montage felt like those scenes where Thor has a flatmate. Do you remember in the... Team Daryl. I love Team Daryl. That was great. I was never never Team (laughs) Daryl. Really? I love those skits. It's a funny... It's a funny... Like if SNL had done it, that's funny. But like Hmm. in the MCU, it's just stupid. Oh, I get it. If you'd been involved in the deaths of Tony Stark's parents, you'd have been totally Team Daryl. Yeah, I would have been. Yeah, Mens Rea. Mens Rea. All right. Team Mens Rea. So what do you... Was there anything that didn't work for you? Anything that... Maybe that's not dwelling in a negative. We're all very much in the happy, clappy camp here, but... I think the main problem that I've had and the reason that I haven't been loving the MCU of late is just... Get out! <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did it's just, hear that? Um, <laughs> it's just the green screeny nature of it all and this mm. like probably is like a silly criticism because it's a comic book film. Like It's to be expected when you go in, but Doctor Strange and Spider-Man, I just found them so intangible and just took me out all the time. And there was a bit of that here. That's probably like the thing that took me out the most. Um, I think when they were in Op- Omnipotent City yeah. was mm-hmm. when I noticed it the most. Yeah, um, and that's sort of the thing that I'm rubbing up most against with the film. But there was much less of that than I expected. And so that that worked okay for me. And you talk about like Jane dying. It was just, it's funny because you, you sort of know that's going to happen the whole time because his talk with um, Star-Lord where he says, like, you want to feel shitty about someone. And it's like, well, you know, oh, see, that's I, that's going to be the arc at the end. Like, oh, he's going to he's going to be able to feel shitty about her by the end. Like, I just knew that that was what the story was going to be. Never forget I'm an idiot. So <laughs> <laughs> even third time around, it was a surprise yeah, to me. Yeah, that one I didn't see coming. Yeah. I did not. Oh, I, really? I, did, I didn't think it was a sure thing. Um, now, in retrospect, of course, it makes sense because Natalie Portman just Would doesn't want to sign up for Nightmare. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, but she yeah. has left the door open a little bit. And there's a kind of thing in the door. I don't think that's a door opening. I think, think that's a door closing. I think that's like a nice yeah. signing I think that's off. a nice, yeah. yeah. Hey, look, you know, she 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 ended up in Valhalla. <laughs> so did Heimdall. So did presumably Sif's arm. So we're all... <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. And, and Odin, presumably. And Odin yeah. and Frigga. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Everybody who turned into glistening, sparkly light things. Yeah. Amon, did you not like anything about the first act? There were loads of great jokes. What about that joke when Thor is saying to the people of New Asgard, we will go back and we will bring back the children and then we will feast, not on the children. <laughs> that was a good joke. It was a dark time. <laughs> shameful times. Yeah. I mean, everybody actually looks at their feet at that point. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah, no, there were jokes that I enjoyed and laughed at for sure. But again, I wanted weight and I think there was still room for that even in the midst of everything else it was doing. One thing I'm getting really, really tired of in the MCU is fake out deaths. And there's two in this movie, and I'm glad that the last two in the, in the final second half of the movie, which is so good, actually stuck. But there's two early on with Korg and with Zeus in particular. The Zeus one really took me off because that was like a whole shit moment. Two minutes later, uh, Thor's like, oh yeah, but you know, you know we're going to have like half the you know, gods cutting us down. But hey-ho, you know, Zeus is dead, okay. Make it mean something. It really ticked me off. Um, and Valkyrie as well. That yeah. that was more what I was leaning to in terms of the, just for right now, the things that really annoyed me because I wanted that weight. I wanted the emotion. And then we got the scene on the boat and everything changes. Counterpoint. Yeah. 
Thor's lost his mum, his dad, his brother, his mm-hmm. best friend, his maybe not again. his girlfriend, his brother again, his yeah. brother again. Mm-hmm. That guy, that other guy. Yeah. 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 The entirety of his world, it's maybe okay if there's a film where he doesn't lose everyone all the time. That was my thought as well. When the Korg fake-out happened, I was like, oh shit, they've done it to him again. He's lost someone but, else. He has hardly anyone left and they've done it. But guys, he's narrating the film. I know. <laughs> so, I mean, that's, that's, no, thought, that's no guarantee of somebody being yeah, alive. He well, might just be narrating that bit. The, then... Narrating the bit that takes place before they narrate mm. the bit, which he was. But So I never thought the Korg was going was gonna to die in that moment. Seuss... Yeah, Seuss, I can see that. But then again, if you're talking about the most powerful god of all time, then he's not going to be taken down by a little lightning bolt to the chest, is I he? I know, but it's going to get to the point in one of these movies where a scene like that happens and I'm just going to be immediately in the moment, oh, he's not dead, it's fine. Because they do it so goddamn much and I'm getting sick and tired God damn, eh? Right. Yeah, goddamn. <laughs> let's, gods. let's be reminded as well, in all the other films that we've loved for a long time, you have those moments as well. You have Nick Fury in The Winter Soldier, yeah. which I, I don't love that movie as much as a lot of people what? do. But that, you realise <laughs> next You're to right now <laughs> for so many people that is like peak MCU and that's yes. full of fake out deaths and it, it doesn't matter because it, like the, the movie is still good it's, it's not that that isn't kind of what everything has to he speaks on. the truth it doesn't, yeah, no, but it is a, it is becoming a trope. But Mon has, you know, repetition is part of the problem. I mean, it's I it's guess, not becoming it? a trope, and it, it, right, it's been we a, were yeah, able yeah. to do sidebars in Empire about eight films into the MCU, <laughs> listing the amount of time people stay dead for in the MCU yeah. from mm-hmm. like three minutes to twenty-seven minutes spanning two films. You know, so you know Loki died okay. and then came yeah, back. Right. Pepper dies and Iron Man th- dies and Iron Man three and then comes back almost immediately. You know, mm-hmm. but now and again there is a death that sticks. I guess my point isn't necessarily about the death sticking but like at least if you think that he is dead make it have weight like if you think that Zeus is dead as they do in that moment it's it's not about the whole killing it's about the reaction to it I guess is my point also what was that accent (laughs) Joanna Moran was sat next to me our photography director and she just leaned over to me and went what the fuck is that accent (laughs) and I went Joe I've no idea I think it's meant to be great it is great yeah I'm guessing so but the Australian comes through in at least one line well we can't put Australian accents coming through we'll be here all day but um, (laughs) I think it might but uh, I think I don't want to reveal too much of uh, of the interview I did with Taika this afternoon but he did say one little tidbit I will drop two weeks before the interview comes out because we're dropping in that interview in two weeks' time, mm. is that they filmed a number of scenes. Every scene that they shot with Seuss, they did a very pronounced RP version of the character, just in case. Mm. And then they decided, fuck it, we want to dial up the Greek accent mm-hmm. and just Much more and, fun. Go, and, and make him a ludicrous character because Crow <laughs> goes, he goes for it in this yeah. movie. Yeah, There are some wild performances in this film. Like oh, Crow yeah. is one of them because I just do not think of him as that guy. As the that, skirt like, flip? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, Give him I, another Oscar. Genius. <laughs> he's such an intimidating presence on screen in so many things and... Mm frankly, quite an intimidating one off screen from just interviews and stuff I've seen. So seeing him play comedy, seeing him play Goofy is is one thing. He played Goofy? These Disney crossovers <laughs> really get Range. out of hand. But like, Russell Crowe is wild in this film, but... Christian Bale like I still don't know what I make of that performance oh, I'm I, ju- I think I'm it. just impressed by how weird it is like he's doing something different in every scene and it's kind of menacing and sad and strange and sometimes I'm like oh yeah I'm really into this performance sometimes I'm like I don't know if I'm into this performance but it's so unnecessarily weird mm. 
that I'd rather that than just like for me I wrote in the review he's he's it's not Malekith 2.0 like I don't I don't no. think Gore is the greatest part of this film but it's not another Malekith situation because you have a performance in there it's just bonkers. Oh, no, no. You you don't get Christian Bale to get necessarily weird. You buy him to get unnecessarily weird. Like that's, that's there in the contract, I think. Mm-hmm. I, I fucking love him in this. I, yeah. I put all of the inconsistency down to well-possessed sword. You know, yeah. well, come on, people. Possessed <laughs> sword. With so. Russell Crowe, I just love that he went from saying "Welcome to the world of gods and monsters" to playing a god in the world of gods and monsters. That is Welcome fantastic. To the world of gods and <laughs> saying, "Chill, baby cake." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was great. I flicked too hard. <laughs> I flicked yeah. too hard. Yeah, <laughs> very, very funny. I mean, weirdly enough, I, that is the sequence that I think could have probably done with more, most surgery. Uh, yeah. It's absolutely it feels wild. It, mm-hmm. it just feels it's bursting with invention, but it's also it it does have a, a touch of the prequels about it in terms of it's you know very clearly CG backgrounds. But how you know third time third time in, I was just watching the scene going, how can I dislike a sequence <laughs> which has the god of dumplings, an animated <laughs> bow on a spoon, and a, a man who is just a head with some feet. And mm. you know, just these giant—it's just a level of. I have. I really depth. want to go back and and like screen grab and freeze frame that scene a lot. Luckily, so, Helen, I, I filmed the whole thing. <laughs> oh, God. There were some people to trying to absolutely. Grief. We didn't really. Um, is 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 the God of Dumplings the first Disney? Uh, sorry, the first Marvel Pixar crossover. That's my question. <laughs> In my head canon, yes. Second question. Well, no, Russell Crowe plays Goofy, so hey, of course he does. <laughs> uh, second question. I was wondering if there uh, was any sign of Moonlight type people in the gods realm. I couldn't see any that I recognized. I wanted a fertility hippo to turn up, but no joy. I have to say, I've looked quite closely now in the background of some of those scenes and not seen as mm. many Easter eggs as I expected to. Obviously, there's a, a the brief shot eggs. as they... <laughs> as they uh, it's, yeah, it's a Fabergé egg. Um, <laughs> as they sort of blast off as the end, obviously there's the two Celestials, yep. but I was expecting maybe slightly more Eternals-y-ness in Me there too. somewhere, and I don't think there no. is. I and I haven't was... spotted anything Egyptian-wise either. There is another Eternals reference in the end. You know, when the thing goes to fall on the kids and Thor stops it, it's like the head of a celestial. Arisham, yeah. Yeah, Yeah. I was like, Eternals reference. (laughs) I mean, didn't the head of Eternity look a bit, I don't know, like it might remind you of anybody, Chris? I leaned to Chris and said this this. in the middle of my second viewing. I was like, "Is is is that?" No, no, that's 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 what Eternity looks like. That's that's a very very. Can we explain for the people in the class? Oh yeah, so I just just the 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 shape of the horny things around the head made me think Galactus. Yeah, Ben said the same thing to me after we saw it. Have we we seen it together three times now? We we have. Yeah, we sat next to each other three. We hold hands around. It's really beautiful. It's really one second. Let me just go and watch it again and confirm. Give me something. If we hold hands one more time, we'll have a beautiful Cronin baby boy. <laughs> I was on Dwayne. I was only going to add that in Omnipotent City, I think uh, there's there's Bast, uh, who is a, of course the. I was Panther looking God. out for Bast and I couldn't see her, but I, that would make sense. I know that yeah. I've seen images of her in stills and. Okay. okay. Yeah. I think she may have hit the cutting room floor along mm. with Simon Russell Beale, who literally has two lines of dialogue in this and again was cut out and Dinklage was cut out and Goldman was cut out and lots of other people were cut out. But uh, yeah. Apparently your boy Peter Dinklage was cut out. That's what you said. Sorry. Someone's listening. <laughs> 
the god of not listening. It's <laughs> a mon there was, woman. There was a character that looked like he might be a Japanese thunder god whose name I know from reading Sandman and have forgotten. Everyone else is, is out there shouting at their pod device right now. So I don't think they that, are. <laughs> so, so. People who have read Sandman as many times as I have should, should know that name. I love Metallica. Oh boy. Uh, speaking of uh, metal. Which is like the only band yeah. that wasn't in there. I guess they were Pretty too much, busy yeah. making Jungle Cruise. <laughs> well, <laughs> they just they, they did just have like a moment in Stranger Things, so. The fact that the soundtrack to this movie is like all gun, Guns N' Roses all the time, except we're also going to lob an ABBA track in there, is just <laughs> everything to me. And that is another reason why I, can't, I will not take any slander about the, uh, the montage. The montage is set to ABBA. It is set in stone. That was hilarious. It the, is the, the soundtrack was wonderful. There, there's also, was it Kiara or somebody else? It was, it was Mary Missy. J. Blige Mary J. on the, oh, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, on the yeah. speaker. Yeah, yeah but Let's I saw, um, I saw an, another... Yeah, Enya. I saw another name um, on the soundtrack list yeah. at the end. Maybe I'm... Yeah, there's en- Enya at the start, actually, oh, when, yeah. Th- yeah. when we've got Gap Year Thor, as I've decided <laughs> I'm going to call him. I loved him dressing as a guardian. That that look was yeah. working for him, for me, <laughs> for was, everybody. Yeah. That, was a, that was a strong look. With that, the that opening sleeveless. of the movie is really interesting, or, or that opening sequence on whatever planet that is with the biker chickens from Mars. <laughs> whatever the fuck is going on in that sequence. It's so much fun how little... <laughs> time Taika has for the setup he's been left by Endgame <laughs> it's just like Guardians no no time for that shit Dad bod Thor no time for that shit get rid of that on we go thank you very much tell my own story but I, I, I loved if you watch that the style of the movie the style of the filming of like there's so many great big intense close ups of Hemsworth's face in that moment which is uh, you know, he's he's not got a bad face. It's not a it's not a bad thing to sit through. But I just thought it was really the filmmaking feels different in that sequence than it does everywhere else. Yeah, I honestly think this is a much more confident film visually than Ragnarok. I think the vast majority of people are going to come out of this film and go, "Oh, it was great, but I didn't like it as much as Ragnarok." And I think this kind of does Ragnarok better than Ragnarok in a lot of ways and I think in in the like hey that looks like the the side of my local metalhead's van on an IMAX screen those shots I think are even more confident I think mm-hmm. his okay. action blockbuster chops are improved like I, I rewatched Ragnarok again at the weekend and I have a lot of fun with it and there's some some really great sequences in it and I think it feels so refreshing but I think Taika learned a lot from that movie and and brought so much of it to this one in how just his his compositions and the way that he plays with color and the way that he brings energy to those action sequences like i there's not the thing that i think about when i think of ragnarok really is not the action stuff it is the character stuff and the comedy mm-hmm. and i think a lot of the action stuff especially that opening like a chicken mm. sequence <laughs> like the way that he ramps up the energy as that kicks off is amazing it like really yeah. it feels like a put your seatbelt on kind of moment and and he, and it also feels like he's not throwing away the action, but like he's not worried about it. Like he's he's doing the action. We're, right, we've done the action scene. Now can we have a talking scene and actually talk about how, who these characters are and maybe say something funny? You know, he's not. Feels like he's not dwelling on the action. He's not lying awake at night stressing over how to get the action right. He feels like right. Let's have some fun with this. We'll do this action scene and then bish bash bosh on with the story yeah. and I, I like that as well it doesn't feel labored it doesn't feel too overly engineered it feels a little bit haphazard and and, and fun i thought the the guardians of the at the beginning was good because it had just enough guardians 
character work, even in just, you know, Nebula rolling her eyes constantly and that kind of <laughs> thing, um, to give you a sense of the whole dynamic of that group. And and then, yes, let them go their own ways. And it, and it probably gave Star-Lord more respect than anything he got <laughs> yep. in the last two Avengers movies where he was the butt of every joke. And actually here he gets some leadership to do, which mm-hmm. was, you know, fair play to him. He's growing as a person. Maybe. Um, we, we talked about Chris Pratt a little bit on our Jurassic World Dominion podcast and, you know, how we're all a little dismayed with this kind of bland action hero route that he's going down at the moment. And there was enough in this little brief cameo as Quill. Not as funny as he often, as mm-hmm. usually is as Quill, but there were nice, you know, little facial expressions. He was, he was content to look scuzzy and be a little bit of a fuck up still as Quill is but also I thought you handled that scene very nicely with Hemsworth because yeah. Hemsworth in that scene in the opening say the opening 30-40 minutes of the film is doing that thing where he's playing this role straight but with just a layer of irony to a lot of the line readings just mm. a little layer of irony which which might turn some people off but worked for me I find this film a lot less self-consciously self-conscious I don't know than than Ragnarok which I I feel like Ragnarok as much as I love a lot of it feels quite pleased with itself a lot of the time and I think with the early Thor stuff in this it works especially in that sequence with Star-Lord because it feels like a cover-up for the fact that Star-Lord is basically saying to him you are lost and you feel nothing right now and all you can do is is just like turn up and do the least and fuck everything up and crack your jokes and like what are you what are you doing man and having with where the film goes later down the line having that conversation basically like space dad to space dad mm. is i think that's a really lovely place for that to come from to 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 set up that side of the film of you are having a midlife crisis mm. you feel nothing you need to sort that out when that's coming from peter quill you should probably listen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah, I agree with all of that. <laughs> when uh, Thor did the talk, talk to the hand move, I leaned over to my plus one. He did the move on Jurassic World. <laughs> oh my god, eyes on me. <laughs> he oh really did it, which is great. <laughs> he's he's uh, trying to corral Chris Pratt. <laughs> I like that. Those goats are more dangerous than the Velociraptors in any of the Jurassic World movies. If those goats had been in the T Rex paddock in Jurassic Park. We wouldn't have had a Jurassic Park. There you go. Well, we would have, but they would have been trying to take down massive feral goats. <laughs> so, I'm obsessed I, with those goats. Yeah, their vision's based on anarchy, as far as I can tell. Uh, I think so that's it, true of all goats. So, uh, so you came, we came out of the, the cinema, and you were like on cloud nine. So, it, specifically, we don't have a lot of time left. So, specifically, was there a, a great sequence that you loved? I mean, Ben was talking about the action and Helen was talking about the action. I really liked the action sequence in the Shadow Realm when it went into black and white. Mm. Okay. Um, Simply because we haven't seen anything like that before in the MCU and I just thought it looked amazing. I love the way they'd graded it and everything. And it really made it feel very creepy, (laughs) that place. And it made... Gore feel extremely creepy. By the way, Alex Godfrey loves to call me God Butcher now in the office of anyone's. Sophie <laughs> <laughs> the God Butcher, yes. <laughs> um, not sure if I like the name after seeing the film. But um, yeah, I think that was a standout for me. Um, I quite, I loved seeing Darcy at the beginning. Yes. With... She got a little round of applause when she yes. turned up. That Australia. was near me. Everyone was loving her. <laughs> <That's> great. <laughs> she didn't say meow meow, which was a shame. Yeah, we had but, everything. No, but um, that was very, very fun. Um, yeah, I, I liked a lot of it. And I know what um, Amon means when he's been saying about the beginning, that it feels a little bit joke heavy, a little bit 
Um, but I agree with Ben and I think it's just erred on the right side of it and it's not as heavy as Ragnarok is in that respect. I'm okay with it being choke heavy with the yeah. jokes are as good as they are yeah. in this movie. But uh, Amon, final thoughts from you? Uh, well, we have, to talk, we have to talk a little bit about Mjolnir because I cannot get enough of the shards of Mjolnir splitting apart and then reforming. Give me that. Give me all of that. Twice on Sunday. Freaking love that. Um, they did that so many times and it works for me every time. And, you know, one of the things that I was saying going into this film is that I want to feel the dread when it comes to gore. I want the source to be threatened because in the comics, gore is no joke. He can take on three different doors at the same time and win. Um, and I didn't really feel that in the first scene too much, but when they go into the shadow realm, I was like, oh, this game done change. You really do feel that come through. So yeah, the action for the most part really worked for me. Interesting, because I thought that that was going to be a, a thing that you had a problem with, uh, Gore, because the all his exploits in the first half of the movie are off screen. It's like yeah. we get, you know, he killed all these gods, but we don't actually see any of that. But, you know, hey, mm -hmm. discussion for another time. Mm -hmm. Ben and then Helen with your final thoughts, just like Jerry Springer. We'll we'll come back to this, I'm sure, when we do many other spoiler specials, and I'm I'm sure I have a written article many, in many me about wonderful this wonderful spoiler specials. <laughs> but the whole idea of this film, the thing that was pushing me towards five stars, is the sincerity of it and the ideas of it and how much it comes through in so many ways of the movie. In the in the wake of something like. Everything Everywhere, where you have this movie about, like, in the face of total despair and nihilism, love and connection wins. And that in the kind of how uh, Gore's story plays out, that he gives into that darkness, into that nihilism, that then in the shadow realm, when all color is drained, when they use their powers, it comes through in bringing the light back to that place. It, their powers literally light up mm -hmm. in this place where there is no color. The fact that the hammer is imbued with that power for Jane because of Thor's love for her mm. and how he passes on that power to the kids and the kids fighting so back. Awesome. Like, there are so <laughs> many things in this movie where it's just like, this is, there is so much heart in this. And I respond to that on a huge level. So that is the thing that I take from this film. Beyond all the craziness and the fun and the color, it's the heart of it that I think is really beautiful. I think probably my favorite thing was the powered up kids because that was just so unexpected and so weird. And, you know, the the rap, the rabbit clutched to the chest that becomes <laughs> a weapon with flame shooting out its eyes. I'm, I'm here for that every day of the week and twice on Sundays. That was magnificent. And also, can you imagine if you had seen that at seven or eight oh or nine gosh. or ten? Can you imagine the euphoria coming out of that cinema? You would have been absolutely in love with this film. The fact that I mean, this film is felt, like know, kinda, um, in a nice way, like for kids yeah. and about kids, I think is a wonderful and thing. And I think that's that's something that clearly, I mean, if you looked at the special thanks at the end with all the, the thanks all to their kids, all the kids mm -hmm. yeah. you know, I think that's, that's a really lovely gesture. But it also shows that there, that was kind of something that they obviously took across the whole film, which I adored. Absolutely, because we haven't mentioned, uh, it only became clear because we only spotted it in the credits on the third time, that Gore's daughter 
uh, he was called Gore's daughter in the credits, is played by Chris Hemsworth's daughter. Mm. India I thought Rose that might Hemsworth. have been the case. I leaned over to Joe and I said, do you think that's Chris Hemsworth's daughter? Because yeah. she had an Australian yeah. accent and yeah. Like, yeah. I thought, yeah. and that's really lovely. It's I it's think. such a, such a beautiful little touch and also uh, Elsa Pataki, his wife, and also in India Rose uh, Hemsworth's mother uh, is the wolf woman that Thor has sex with <laughs> on a woman wolf. Which is uh, also one of my, my favourite jokes in the movie. Uh, there is so much to talk about I, you know, I think that this movie maybe I, I don't know whether it's better than Ragnarok for me but I think it has more on its mind than Ragnarok did yeah. Ragnarok was just basically an out and out nuts comedy to tackle some stuff but we'll get into it uh, I see Helen looking very, very carefully at the clock. Okay, we've got I three did say seconds. 22. I've got three seconds. I've got. Okay, You've we're got done. No seconds. We're done. We're done. We're done. <laughs> Just going to wrap it up real, real quick. Um, I think this movie tackles the notion of family, family better than the Fast and Furious movies. Laura said it. I said wow. it. I said it. I said <laughs> yes. it. Obviously, there's a lot of stuff to talk about. We haven't even talked about Hercules, played by my boy uh, <gasps> Brett Goldstein. Sweet. Yeah, who got a huge round of applause when that was revealed yeah. um, and we'll get into that on the next spoiler special I don't know whether Helen's going to be part of that because you're going to be gallivanting somewhere you in know, the shadow realm do? no doubt <laughs> yeah well you know I mean it calls me it calls me but listen if you have a portal horse or mm-hmm. a handy lightning bolt courtesy of Seuss or a magical axe that can transport you via the oh, Bifrost yeah, all of those it's just maybe, a matter of whether I can fit them in my case yeah or That'd maybe even just a handy Einstein Rosenbridge that will fold space and time just like they do in Event Horizon then perhaps you can get yourself mm. back for that but fingers crossed well fingers crossed we shall see but in the meantime we do have to wrap it up uh, I hope you've enjoyed this speed to special uh, <laughs> <laughs> courtesy of the Empire Podcast the last time because basically when we came out of No Way Home I wanted to do two things I wanted to get in to see No Way Home again and I wanted to come back and record a podcast so that's what we're going to do. You also wanted to hug me many times. Many, many times. <laughs> I want to hug you again, but you're just too far away. You screamed more than those goats. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, it is goodbye from Helen O'Hara. Toodaloo. Toodaloo. Literally going toodaloo and then to the airport. Uh, ben Travis. Goodbye. Sophie, the God Butcher. <laughs> goodbye. Amon, the Ragnarok Butcher. <laughs> Peace. Warman, I forgot to say your surname. <laughs> see if, see if she has a butcher in her name. I do not. We're all butchers now, and it's goodbye for me. I'm off to do something. I don't know. I'm probably going to scream like a goat. <laughs> there we go. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye. Bye.